This is Books for Breakfast, a podcast where we talk about books and writing. I'm Enda Wiley. And I'm Peter Sir. And you're all very welcome to this morning's show. Romance Option by Michal McCann for Eva Griffin I direct my avatar in circles and rings around the desires of a bohemian mage who addresses me handsomely and hotly as thou or I blush as a stream bleeds red at sunset seeing your figure appearing in my chambers I hope to impress and make myself necessary And just for now, I am the only one who knows that I am pursuing a light man, that a world trembles uniquely mine, sealed by incantations and decisions that will be remembered later. The evening birds peep blearily in the loud hedge of forest flame, and that I play it myself in secret is no concern to them, and I return to enchanting. Praise these vessels, rafts to a peopled island. That was Leanne Quinn reading the poem Romance Option by Michal McCann, which is one of the two poems from which the title Romance Options, Love Poems for Today, was plucked uh, for the title of this vibrant new anthology of love poems, which has just been published by Daedalus Press. Contributors include well-known poets such as Catherine Phil McCarthy, Patrick Dealey, Gerard Smith, but there's also a feast of Poems by new and emerging poets, uh, Paulina Cosgrave, Chandrika Narayan Mohan, Raphael Mendes, Kieran Fionn Murphy, just to name a few. So it refle- very much reflects the very diverse landscape of Irish poetry today. The editors say that all of the poets have one thing in common. They all, or they all love or have loved. But I'm wondering, do they have new things to say about this perennial theme? Can love poetry still deliver a punch? So with us today are the editors of Romance Options, and we're very happy to have Leanne Quinn and, and Joseph Woods, both indeed friends of, of this podcast. Leanne featured on Books for Breakfast with her second collection, Some Lives, was published by Daedalus in 2020. And Joe Woods is also a guest on Books for Breakfast, talking about his fourth collection, Monsoon Diaries, which was published by, by Daedalus. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant to have Joe and Leanne here. You're very welcome. Well, to start off, there have been other anthologies of Irish poetry. Uh, Peter and I were discussing it at the breakfast table before you you arrived. I'm thinking of Don't Agroa, Irish Love Poems, edited by Paula Radez with an introduction by Gabriel Rosenstock. That came out in 1966. There was The Long Embrace, 20th Century Irish Love Poems, I think that was published by Faber in 1989 and it was edited by Frank Ormsby. And, and that collection presented the best... Irish love poems of the 20th century from Yeats upwards. And then there was Ireland's Love Poems, edited by Norman Jeffries, that came out in 2000. So we're just wondering, why do we need another anthology of love poems? So Joe or Leanne, who'd like to start on that one? I mean, I think this is, you know, a pressing question. And when when Pat Bourne approached me with the idea, you know, it was something I had to think about myself. But really so much has changed, you know, in the 21st century, like the, the anthologies you mentioned there, like if you look at Frank 
Ormsby, I mean, you know, when that came out, homosexuality wasn't yet decriminalised. Divorce was not legal in Ireland. You know, not to mention anything of the marriage equality referendum or the all the kind of changes that have, have happened since then. And, and I feel like very few of these changes had actually uh, been uh, anthologised. So that was kind of, uh, you know, there was kind of a, a gap there, I think, um, where all these changes were happening, but um, very few of them had been, you know, reflected, except uh, for recently with the kind of landmark anthology by Paul Maddern, Queering the Green, which are really important in terms of representation, in terms of diversity, in terms of representing marginalised voices. So I think this gave us like a similar kind of opportunity to to, you know, follow on from that and create a really, really inclusive uh, ontology that is reflective of, of our times. Mm, it definitely is that. And Joe, Joe, do you want to add to that? And yeah, I, th- I think, you know, as Leanne said, you know, when um, when Pat asked us um, initially, I, I kind of immediately reached for what, you know, what what were on the shelves and, and the, the, the books you mentioned um, among them. Um, but you also, re- I also realised is that with with uh, the Frank Ormsby, the Long Embrace, it it was it was almost forty years ago, you know, that you know, mm-hmm. and and you're looking at you know, poems by and I mean he does have a, a number of contemporary authors, you know, Elaine Cullinan, and you know our contemporary writers are there, but but there was a sense that uh, very much I think uh, as Leanne said. That society, certainly in Ireland, has changed and has changed so much, you know, almost at a pace that we haven't really recognized ourselves, you know, that, you know, because probably because we've lived through it. So I think it was a, it was a very good point, kind of very good juncture to kind of take stock with an anthology. Yeah, because you kind of explicitly address that. I mean, when you when you put out your open call to Irish and Ireland based poets, and you asked them to consider the realities of our romantic, emotional and intimate lives today. And I think, obviously, from what you're saying, the, to- the, the today bit is, is is important because, you know, you, as you said, the, the, the reality of today is pretty different from the reality of the world in which those other earlier anthologies were, were, were published. So it must, it must have been quite a process sifting through, through, through all, all those poems and then deciding kind of, kind of what, what to choose. It really was. It was. It was. There was a, a kind of a staggering array, Peter, of of forms and subject matter. I mean, you know, it it, it was really really extraordinary. I mean, there were so many, and also um, formalism. You know, there was. You know, I think I think when people sometimes reach poem, you know, the love poem, or reach write one, they they kind of adopt forms like um, you know the sonnet and. You know, there's gazelles in there, and there's so many different forms. But again, the subject matter, I think, for us was very interesting. Just every kind of version of love, even you know, from grief to to to, I suppose, love in middle age and and love in old age, and just just it was a really amazing array of of material that that came in. You know very little of it predictable actually yeah I think as well like I think the danger like with you know love poetry or love anthology it can often like elicit a kind of groan or sigh you know because you're kind of almost expecting the cliched um, but I think what we really found is that the poets uh, the poems that came in like they really disrupted 
uh, disrupted ideas of a love, like what is love, what is it to love, uh, how, how do people communicate today? And I think that that was really, really interesting. And that kind of diversity, as Joe said, of form, that was really represented in that as well. And I mean, I hope readers will, will have that sense of um, something very fresh and kind of new of the anthology, maybe goes against uh, what they were initially expecting. Well, I certainly did. And there were a few groans and sighs in there as well, Leanne, I think. <laughs> but um, no, you're both very experienced poets. Um, and Joe, you've done a lot of um, editing of anthologies. You've edited several poetry publications. You co-edited with Irene DeAngelis, Our Shared Japan, an anthology of contemporary Irish yeah. poetry concerning Japan. And that came with an essay by Seamus Heaney. And then with Jared Smith, you co-edited The Poetry Project, which is a web anthology, wasn't it, of visual artists and filmmakers. That's then in Zimbabwe, yeah, you've, you've right. had great experience. You edited a history of the Irish in Rhodesia and Zimbabwe. And I was just thinking, reading this, it must be great, the two of you, you know, very strong, um, experienced poets. And then, Joe, you're bringing your editing experience to it. But also the two of you, I think... You, you've traveled a lot like you and uh, you have that in common. Like, Joe, you've you've traveled in Asia and Latin America. Um, you've lived in Japan, Yangon, Myanmar and Leanne. You're based in Munich. So you had a lot in common. And I often think that if you're editing a book together, you need to have some sort of personal connection. And of course, the strongest person, personal connection between the two of you is that you were both born in Drada. So I'm just wondering, do these personal <laughs> connections... Did they help you come together? I mean, did you know each other very well before you edited the book? And it seems like you've a lot. Well, we 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 um, we're, we're, we're determined that uh, because we're both from Drogheda that uh, that Drogheda is going to be the new um, romantic capital of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, it's it's completely bizarre. Actually, we discovered in in. Um, when we were editing and again so much of this was kind of done remotely and you know uh although we did manage to meet up in in limerick but but we, we discovered along the way that actually i i knew we knew our families knew each other you know uh which which i didn't know before before uh before the book but we, you know i i would have known leanne um you know the true poetry ireland and you know when she when she was doing readings and through her first book, but uh, we didn't mm -hmm. we didn't actually know each other in Drogheda, funnily enough. So, Leanne, did you find Joe very but, difficult to work with? Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, and, and as Joe says, like uh, we knew each other through 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 family, through like our parents know, knowing each other, and then like as Joe said, I met Joe through when, when I did my poetry Ireland's introductions uh, as well. But I like I think we were very compatible as as editors. I think we we were really good at communicating and we were kind of very open and I think you know initially in in, in the project we were reading a lot um like on our own so it was a lot it was solitary reading so for the first like four or five weeks so by the time we actually met up uh, on, on zoom initially and then we actually met in in Limerick which was great you know we just had so much to talk about and it was brilliant to be able to discuss the poems with someone else in a real kind of open and, and honest way so I think communication was, was great on on that front and I think it really helped get a real sense of, of, of balance with the anthology as well yeah so communication and openness all the good qualities of a, a good romantic relationship isn't that right <laughs> and you know you know that I, I, have, I have to say and uh, that that for, for in my experience of editing I I really really prefer to co-edit you mm -hmm. know because um 
it's there's a fantastic thing of um of somebody like there was a fantastic symmetry in terms of you know what we kind of immediately lit upon mm -hmm. in terms of material and stuff but also i was really i was really grateful to have a kind of a co-pilot you know in the sense of you know almost to second guess you you know the way if you're if you're looking at a a, a poem that you that you thought was maybe or whatnot you know because if, w one thing in my in my experience is that having having been away for for the last 10 years almost 10 years from ireland is that you 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 almost kind of miss out on a generation you know there's almost a new generation of writers and of poets so so it was really valuable to have a kind of you know a, a, a second person like leanne a second editor to have a you know to bounce off you know i i think it's the best the best it's the best way to edit a book, to be honest with you in, in terms of poetry well that's that's really positive now dare i mention a uk poet given that this romance options is um, an anthology of irish poets but i would like to mention john burnside who said there are almost as many definitions of love as there are poets because most poets have something to say about it so i, I think do, do the two of you think that this is the case in this anthology uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there is, you know, there's a multiplicity of voices there. And what what we didn't want is like, we didn't want the, the poems to see like, seem like they were like repeating the same idea or, you know, the same theme. So we, we were looking for like themes within the theme of love, like all love in all its facets, mm -hmm. like new love, but also love that has endured and, you know, the complications that, you know, are, are involved with that. And, and as well, I think something that was striking was like the difficulty of like finding love in, in the 21st century because of the way the ways we, we interact have changed so much. I think that's something that kind of came up, you know, again and again. A grief, like as, as Joe mentioned before, but I think there's so many there's so many sides to it. And I think that, you know, there's there's no sense of things repeating themselves in the anthology and I think we were kind of keen that that wouldn't be the case so you do get love and, and kind of all all its all, all its colour which is really good there's a great variety to it well to give the listeners some taste of the poetry on offer here's Catherine Ann Cullen she's reading her poem Subsidence and just to say Catherine Ann has been Poetry Ireland's inaugural poet in residence her books include Include the other now, published by Dedalus in 2016, and a new book for children is just out: the Song of Bridget's Cloak, published by Beehive Press in 2022. And she's just taken up the role of postdoctoral fellow at School of English Drama and Film at UCD under the Irish Research Council's Enterprise Partnership Scheme with the support of Poetry Ireland. So well done, Catherine Anne. And here she is reading her poem, Subsidence. Love isn't always straightforward, and this sonnet is about the struggle of loving someone who's experiencing depression and despair. It's dedicated to all the partners out there who are affected by this darkness. I hope they can find some light. Subsidence. I did not know the weight of a heart could sink a house, but where the front door stood only the lintel looms above ground now. Today I squeezed onto the landing floor, climbed down to where you slump in the cellar. But we had no cellar. Here at the countertops we drank the sun for years, with coloured straws bent to savour the last drops. 
Soon I'll take the children to the attic to breathe some light. There the sun will set in the window and the houses opposite reflect the morning. When the rays get to your heart, my love, they're bound to shift it. I'd carry you up myself if I could lift it. And as a follow-on to Catherine Anne's poem, let's hear Mark Ranier read his poem called Crown Shineness. Mark lives in Bray. His fifth collection, Ghostlight, New and Selected Poems, was published by Salmon. So let's have a listen to him now. I was doing a bit of online research for a sequence of short essays and poems about trees called Notes on Woods. I came across this wonderful term, crown shyness, that applies to certain trees that avoid damaging each other's crowns or catching various kinds of tree-borne infections by growing in such a way as to leave spaces between their own topmost branches and those of adjacent trees. The poem didn't begin as a villanelle. I don't usually work in such confining forms. But by the second draft, that pattern of repeated phrases and images suggested itself, so I went along with it. Talking about an even more restrictive form, the sestina, Paul Muldoon likened it to stepping into the dark because the very strictness of the pattern pushes you in directions you mightn't otherwise have considered exploring. So a poem about trees became, to some extent, a poem about marriage. There is a short, beautifully simple description on Wikipedia which I use as an introduction. Crown shyness, a phenomenon observed in some tree species in which the crowns of fully stocked trees do not touch each other, forming channel-like gaps, Wikipedia. If you want to see the pattern that they've made, you need to look up from the forest floor in summer Ends of branches don't abraid each other, but leave ripples in their shade, as if they've grown wary of that war that moves inside the pattern that they've made. Mapping the movements of the winds that flayed and thrashed their heads till they became heart sore, they made room for whatever might abraid. It took time. Now the channels are inlaid, and every shivering tip has taken score, moving in time with the pattern that they've made. Seams in the brainy dark, a bright cascade, a shyness almost human at its core, a canopy of gaps that can't abrade. No matter how many arguments have swayed the trees, the wood, the gap between the door and frame describes the pattern we have made, that only stillness and silence will abrade. And that was lovely to hear both Catherine Ann Cullen and Mark Ranier read their love poems from Romance Options, Love Poems for Today, a new anthology of love poems from Dedalus Press, which we are here discussing with the editors, Leanne Quinn and Joseph Woods. So there's such a wide range to the poems here. A first love is remembered in Emily Cullen's poem, Your Old Letters, when she says, all these years later, when we've both moved on with our spouses and children, you're still in the gristle of my heart. I I really enjoyed those lines. And then there's the love that's endured for years, like the married love of Paddy Bush's wedding anniversary. 
or I liked this poem Love in the Time of Abba by Eileen Casey. Thought that was a great one. Love is different now, she says. We rise early on Sundays. Vegetables and roast prepared the night before. Pinned to the fridge. Emergency phone numbers. Grandchildren's rosy drawings framed under glass. Glory days of youth brighten our twilight years. We still listen to Abba. I do, I do, I do, I do. So I really like the way the anthology as Leanne was talking about earlier, it isn't it isn't structured according to themes of romance or love. But I think because you've alphabetically placed the poems, each poem comes in almost as a surprise, doesn't it, Joe and Leanne? And it's, it's lovely to find the connections happening naturally between them. And did those, I, I, it really must have pleased you both, I think, those kind of playful connections that were happening quite naturally, I think. I think it's um, I think it's like fascinating when those you know connections become apparent, and I suppose it's when you bring any collection of po- poems together, like whether it's your your own poems or whether it's disparate poems, when they're, when they're put together like this, they they start to, you know, almost speak to each other and speak against each other, and yeah, that that was absolutely fascinating and really exciting, I think, to discover as well, and you know that's how we got the the title for the connection uh, for the collection with the two the two poems uh, romance option and to discover that like you know within the submissions to have these two particular poems really really reaching out and, and speaking to each other was yeah it, it was brilliant yeah there's 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 lots of lots of little detonations going on in, in there and uh, i mean it's 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 kind of interesting and i mean in one or two cases i kind of as it happens, you know, I I I kind of know, know one or two backstories in a few of the poems, and uh, which I'm not going to reveal here. But um, but but it's it's kind of uh, you 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 have it's kind of strange symmetry, uh, which happens sometimes. You know, with poems are are put together, and and that's why I think I think I think it, it although it's alphabetical, it still has this it, it still has this weird kind of frisson you know uh, uh, which is probably a good word to use in a in a romance anthology but it has this kind of you know the certain poems have have kind of just various kind of kind of riffs against against the other poems it's interesting the the poem there graham allen lovely it it, it opens the book Uh, it's a it's a beautiful poem and you know, I, I just thought it's it's just he was just alphabetically lucky, but it was also fortunate that it was just it's a, it's a lovely poem to 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 kind of kick off the the collection. I I was also very pleased that uh, that we got in one poem we got garlic cheese and chips, which is I I think it's kind of a necessary component of uh, courtship in Ireland. You know, <laughs> so I was very I was I was delighted to see that in there. Well. Well, I think it's time for more poems now. First off, let's listen to Kelly Michaels. Kelly was born in Chicago and lives in Dublin. Her pamphlet, Disquiet, was published in 2015. And here she is reading her poem, Litany of the Human Heart. My name is Kelly Michaels. And I wrote this poem when someone very close to me was having heart surgery. And a very good friend of mine who works in cardiac surgery told me, uh, trying to alleviate my fears, that there is no other organ in the human body that we know more about. And I went home and I thought about that, 
And I thought about what we do and do not know about the human heart. And I wrote this poem. It's called Litany of the Human Heart. This is the heart. The heart that can kill us or let us live according to its whims. The heart that knows the word for abandonment in 6,909 different languages, can recite the etymology for the word hunger, turn the five stages of grief into seven, while turning every face of heaven toward it like a small sun. It's the broken heart, inventing its own vocabulary from a sleepless night. The heart that makes an anagram for every empty gesture, finds a plastic bag in the street to be a sign, the twisted branch of a tree, an omen, the sting of a paper cut, a prophecy. The moonstruck, red-eyed pendulum of a heart. The heart that tells you to let go, move on, to go on ahead without it. That it will catch up eventually, but never does. It's a compulsive hoarder of a heart, holding on to everything like the pajamas of a firstborn still laced with the scent of cornstarch, the sound of a loved one breathing when asleep, a card someone sent for no reason, if only to say, you are not forgotten, and all the other small, veiled prayers flickering like fireflies under the cupped fingers of night. It's lovely to hear the poets read, isn't it, Peter? And thanks so much to all the poets for recording their poems. And let's have a listen now to Mark Roper. I always love his poetry and it was great to see him included in the anthology. And actually, just to say, his latest collection, Beyond Stillness, has just been published by Daedalus. And his poem in this beautiful anthology, Romance Options, Love Poems for Today, is called Usage. And here he is reading it. I've always loved things that have grown old being well used. The handle of a spade, for example, where the wood has developed a deep luster from an owner's palm. So this is a poem about the delight of being allowed to grow old with someone you've loved for the best part of your life. It's called Usage. Too delicate to open my father's Bible the much-dented metal of a thermos. Prayer flags, colours whitening, cotton gently weathering away. Patches of gold our palms have worn on a banister's dark brown rail. The small roofless church in a field, the grey mare, the vault beside it a foal. Clean, bright edge of a spade, the shine where it first enters earth. In a cathedral, left on a post until it turns to air, 
a cardinal's beretta. Love, your hand in mine all these years, the use the world has made of us. So just listening to Mark Roper there, um, Leanne and Joe, they're beautiful last lines, aren't they, in that poem? Love, your hand in mine all these years, the use the world has made of us. And it made me think that the right love poem is strangely reassuring. I mean, I'm talking to you as editors, but I'm I'm the reader of this anthology and so is Peter. Um, and I found them very, in places, very reassuring. You feel as if somebody else has felt like us. They've actually survived to write about these things. And suddenly we make the love poem our own. And I think some of the finest and moving of love poems are poems that speak to us about our personal experiences. And did you kind of get that visceral shock as well when you read some of these poems for the first time? Yeah, um, yeah, for me, absolutely. Like, I think what what makes a, a good love poem, just what you've touched on there, and what makes, you know, a really good poem in general is when, you know, a very private or intimate moment um, is moved like that into the, the public space. And it, it transcends the poet and it transcends the emotion um, of the poet and then it becomes the readers and it, you know you read the poem and you're like oh that's my love poem that's yeah. that's you know I felt that and that's I think we really kind of we wanted that sense and uh, we hope we've kind of achieved it and I think that's why having such a diversity and range of voices was was so important as well and um, you know for, for getting beyond the poets themselves and reaching um, that like wide readership. I, I was going to, I was going to agree, um, but uh, I, I, I think you know, the, like, there, the, the, there definitely were moments like that, um, uh, where c- certain poems just were, were like a punch, you know, uh, where you just suddenly, um, uh, you know, I like that last line that you read from, from, from Mark Roper, you know, you just, you just get a, a kind of, a, 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 something. It's a, po- a you, you just sharp intake of breath sort of thing and and there were there were there were many of those but also i think in some ways you can kind of think the idea of a love anthology is twee but then at the same time poetry is 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 rolled out on those occasions you know the way that that it's kind of i used to say it's kind of births marriages and deaths and you know the way it's it's a good a good poet should be able to write a good love poem. <laughs> and this, I suppose this kind of assures us that there are many good poets out there. I, I would also like to say that that uh, there were also many, many good poems that just came so close to the mark that, um, but just, you know, didn't quite fit the, the, the kind of mix that we kind of... Um, we, the, the, that evolved as we were as we, as we were as we were reading through the submissions. You know, uh, there were some very very fine poems, but just didn't quite fit the, the themes. You know, in, in a sense. And I think it's time for a couple more voices now. The first one we're going to hear is Martina Dalton, who is a Waterford poet, whose poems have appeared in journals like the Singing Fly, also the Irish Times, other journals and anthologies. She lives in Tremor, and here she is reading her poem because her wedding had to be postponed. Because her wedding had to be postponed. What I think of now is how, on that morning, underneath the cherry blossom tree, you planted as a child. A blackbird gathered bits of moss her mate had plucked and left to dry. 
confetti drops of petals that were strewn, she brought them to her nest. And the photo that you posted online of the little branch that he had walked for miles to find. How you'd placed it in the jug you'd brought back from Japan and the simple cloth you lay it on. Above the both of you, the firmament without a single aeroplane bringing newlyweds away or coming in. The blue and empty sky unscarred. And here is Sean Lysett. Sean has published several collections with Gallery Press and most recently New Leaf was just published this year. I really liked his recent poem A Raven in the Irish Times from that collection recently. And here he is reading his poem Epigram. Epigram after Goethe. They say that an epigram is too short to say something of the heart. But isn't a kiss even shorter? And we have two more poems. The first is Gift of the Magi by Grace Valence. Grace was born in New York City and lives in Dublin. She's the author of The Limit of Light, which is published by the Gallery Press in 2020. My partner is Brazilian, and I wrote this little love poem last December when we were together at his home place in Sao Paulo, uh, in the neighbourhood of Brasilandia. The poem is called Gift of the Magi. Waking with the tip of my nose so close to a soft neck, with its delicate ridge of spine, an ellipsis, a dotted line. Carefully I crawl over and out of bed, step to the bathroom where I meet my blanket creased face and feel the heaviness of last night's sleep. And another sensation too, like I have lived a thousand lives and on this turn somehow forged something beautiful out of a lot of bad luck. It's my turn to make coffee, toast bread and melt cheese. I open the window to get a read on the day, lean into the air. It's almost Christmas, but being from the north you mightn't know it by the downpours and the heat already rising from the concrete. But tonight, between late evening and dusk, call it crepusculo, lights will come on, pink and green lining the windows of the high-rises at the favela's outskirts. At that hour I'll find myself here, as we make dinner side by side, a song quietly playing in the background, chopping beside steaming pots of rice and beans and sharing a cool beer, pulling spinach leaves from the stalk, discerning fresh from wilted and patiently waiting for the bay leaf's slow, certain yield. And we'd like to sneak in one more by Philip Davison. Philip is mostly known as a novelist and playwright. He's published nine novels, and he also writes radio drama. But it's nice to see him writing poetry. It's kind of sometimes we have, we, we erect um, walls around our arts, and then we say, "Okay, he's a novelist, and you can't, you're not allowed to write poems, or he's a poet, and you're not allowed to write novels." So it's nice to see those kind of barriers smashed occasionally. So here he is reading his poem, "Bowl of Fruit." Bowl of Fruit. The suspended coal burst of a kiwi fruit. I have never seen you eat a kiwi. Where are you now, my brother, in your coma? 
I am not a ventriloquist. I will not tread softly to your bedside. I will organise no gathering. Aren't you worried about me? The birds are singing. In all humanity, there is no mistake here. This way, this way, my daughter, not yet born, will paint your nails. I will peel an apple for you from your lousy still life. Listen to me. The hearing I know is last to go. And to get back to Joe and the end, I mean, because I, I often think the you know the best love poems are often are often short. I mean, they, you know, they, they they can kind of pierce your hearts with their with their powerful brevity. You know, brevity being the soul of the soul of wit, and maybe also the soul of the soul of love. I mean, I think of a poem like um, "She Tells Her Love One Half Asleep" by, by Robert Graves. She tells her love one half asleep in the dark hours, with half words whispered low as earth turns in her winter sleep and puts out grass and flowers despite the snow despite the falling snow. But it's it's obviously short poems in this collection too. I mean, like Enda Coyle Green's Anniversary or Diary or Dara Burns and What of Love, a two-lined pithy poem that goes like this. And What of Love, that vast and splendid thing that eats her young while teaching them to sing. Um, it's a great decision, um, I think, made by both of you to include short poems like that. I love that poem. When I read it, I got a jolt to- yeah, it's very good. So, Joe, would you like to say anything about the, the, the brevity, the power of brevity in short love poems? Well, absolutely. Like the, the, the uh, we were, we actually had this discussion along the way. Uh, Leanne was saying she was a great fan of short poems, and uh, as I am too, although they don't always come out that way, unfortunately. Mm. But um, but I, no, I I I, I completely uh, I. I I think it's 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 a great uh, vehicle, you know, the 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 kind of pithy uh, love poem, and and you know we have a, we have a few here, yeah, as 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 a, a, a few like couplets, and you know, and and yeah. uh, I suppose uh, gazelles are. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, it's been great talking to the two of you. Um, we're coming to the end of actually our first podcast of the season. And it's great to have um, Leanne Quinn and Joseph Woods here, both editors of Romance Options, Love Poems for Today. I think in such a world of great political and environmental upheaval, it's absolutely wonderful to read a book that's unequivocally in defence of love. So thank you, Joe and Leanne, for that. Yeah, thank you, Editor Joe Woods and Leanne Quinn uh, for coming into the breakfast table today to talk about the new anthology, Romance, Options, Love Poems for Today, published by Daedalus Press. And to finish, Joe Woods is going to lead us out with a reading of Romance Option by Eva Griffin, the second poem from which the title of the anthology was taken. This is Romance Option by Eva Griffin and dedicated uh, to Michal McCann. How else would he know my intentions? if not for the cursor blinking over, yes, God, yes, in some biblically horny way, only the unreal can provoke. My eyes on the screen, this life of fox fur and stolen gold, the delay as the words fall from his mouth, the sight, the slight blur at the corner of you and save a dance for me. No matter, I relent. What good is love without some metric for approval? Easier to sit here and stalk an ending, line by line. I talk and he has nothing new to say, despite the camp sitting rich with spoils from the hinterlands. Another quest, him silent, 
each day I return, ask, was there something you needed? He glitches right to the lonely core of me, not at present. So that was great to hear Leanne Quinn and Joseph Woods talking about romance options, love poems for today. It was good to hear all those love poems, wasn't it, Peter? It was, but actually, I think we're, I think we might be forgetting something because I think you also end up have a poem in this. Um, oh, Peter! Isn't that right? No, I think, you're and, catching and you me kinda, out here you're, now. You're, you're kind of you're kind of getting out of reading it, but maybe we could end by hearing that poem. Well, I was actually hoping that I'd get away with not having to read my poem, but yeah, you have reminded me because I'm W. I always end up at the end of anthologies, so my poem is the last poem in this anthology, and it's called "Great Big Bed." And it comes with a quote from Beatrice, Countess of Dia. I've always been jealous of her name. I wish I had a name like that. She was a troubadour poet and she wrote in 1175. I know you're a big fan of the troubadour poets too, Peter. And this, this comes with a quote from Beatrice who said, For one night only naked in your arms. So this is my poem called Great Big Bed. This great big bed makes me think of you. Not that I've ever lain a full long night with you before, but if I could, it would be here, would be now, in this great big bed, the skylight overhead. Slant of hail, a blind of snow, the whole world fierce outside and us within, breathless in a storm of sheets, the high triple mattress, a royal test of love, our skin bruised by the pee of desire. But look, a small crack in the glass where weather is spurting in. Oh, cruel observer of what we're about. Sleet to freeze our eyelids, winds bitter slicing of our cheeks. And then, so slowly, how a single flake of snow can drop into your mouth and melt upon your tongue that is busy in its own way melting over mine. Thank you.